Hi, folks. Welcome to the Jet Center podcast. I'm sports editor Steve Lyons, and I'm joined, as usual, by our columnist, sports columnist, Mike McIntyre. Um, we're still not doing this in the same room, but we may do that again soon, Mike. Uh, where, where the hell are you right now? I'm at the office. Yeah. You. Where are you? I'm uh, I'm sitting in a shopper's drug mart parking lot, actually, and I'm watching a woman here. Okay, I thought she was going to drive into my car here for a second, which would have been interesting. We could have had a, a crash live on the podcast. She that would have been fun. Yeah, she didn't appear to see me. Um, you know, we could almost do a podcast, Steve, that is the making of the podcast because listeners maybe don't. <laughs> it's um, and and kudos to uh, Jen, our ever patient producer, for uh, getting this on the air every week, uh, despite some technological challenges at times uh, with phone connections and shorting out headphones and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'm. Uh, I think I found a decent connection today, and I am looking forward, though, to potentially doing this in person in the not too distant future. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you potentially in the office uh, next week. But yeah. Uh, so then, um, as usual, uh, uh, we have our three period segments and a little bit of overtime. So our first period, um, I guess, um, Mike, lots going on. Uh, in the world, uh, and sports athletes are involved in the current uh, subject of the day, I guess, if we could call it that, the, uh, the uh, <clears throat> civil unrest in America over the uh, death of a, uh, of a man in, uh, in Minneapolis but at the hands of uh, some police officers. Um, Blake Wheeler, the captain of the Winnipeg Jets, has been very outspoken about it, and uh, Evander Kane on the weekend was very outspoken. Listen, a lot of people are, are very outspoken about it, and and uh, we've had a couple of stories uh, about Blake Wheeler. And we'll have a story tomorrow. Taylor's chatting with some local uh, people about it. We'll have a story about uh, he's chatting uh, with some uh, local black athletes about about uh, the situation and, and uh, maybe the racism that they've experienced here in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, they, we we have a difference of opinion on um, on the um, on athletes and they're speaking out um, a little bit. I'm not I'm not always overly um, interested in what athletes and celebrities um, have to say about uh, social issues. Um, to me, a lot of the times it's it's not particularly educated. It's more just pandering to their their audience um but um you know i I don't want to get too off on that i don't want to rant on that um give me your take about how blake wheeler uh came across over the last several days yeah i mean i i agree with you uh on one point steve if it's purely for pandering or scoring pr points then uh, get out of here with that. I mean, I don't want to see that. And I think we've seen examples of that in the last few days. Like some of the some of the canned statements that teams are just putting out on their Twitter accounts, like they sound as if they were just sort of generated by, you know, a PR textbook. And yeah, break, 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 breaking news, we're against racism. 
Yeah. Um, so, hello. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's not overly helpful. I mean, I guess it's better than nothing, maybe. I guess. Uh, and I guess if they said nothing, I mean, I, I already saw some of that on social media. Like, people were actually doing a running tally of what teams haven't said anything yet, and they were almost using that against those teams that, I don't know, to suggest that they are pro-racism, I guess, if they don't speak out against it. Yeah. Um, but, so I, I, I'll separate what I think are just PR stunts versus heartfelt attempts to to affect change. And I think we've seen a few examples of that. I think Blake Wheeler, what he did, first in, in his statement that went on Twitter on the weekend, which I think opened some eyes. Like, people were like, wow, that's, that's the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. He's white. He's admitting his privilege. Obviously, Blake Wheeler has sort of um, a more personal interest in all this because this happened in his backyard in, in, Min- in Minnesota. This is his hometown. He's got family, friends, same with his wife, his kids. So there was obviously a personal interest. But I'll say this, Steve. I mean, what Blake Wheeler did on Tuesday, I think, goes well beyond just sort of a canned PR statement. He, he opened himself up to unscripted questions. There was no vetting of what was going to be asked. I can tell you there was no restriction. Nobody said you can't ask Blake Wheeler this or that. It was a wide-open free-for-all with media across North America on the call. Um, there, Blake Wheeler wasn't reading from a script, uh, and he went almost 45 minutes on on this whole subject, and, and the topic of hockey almost never came up. I don't know that there's a lot of white athletes at this point that have done that, and I think we should applaud somebody who's willing to do that. That's not to say Blake Wheeler himself is going to fix this problem. He obviously isn't. But I do think with the platform he has and the fact that he is viewed by some as a role model, as a guy to look up to, he can help set the agenda. He can help set the tone. And I think Blake Wheeler and others, Jonathan Taze had a really um, moving statement the other day. Um, And so I just think that there have been some genuine efforts, and, and I'm glad to see it. And I guess Evander Kane, who, let's face it, Steve, a lot of people don't like Evander Kane, the hockey player, and a lot of people don't like Evander Kane, the human being, either. Uh, but in this case, I think Evander Kane has helped do some good by getting some of his otherwise silent colleagues to, to weigh in. Yeah, I, I, listen, I don't... I, Mind, I don't. I'm not against anybody voicing what they have to say. I think that that's. I think it's fair. I guess sometimes I wonder about the weight that we give to people. That's all celebrities or athletes. Um, and and you know somebody said to me yesterday, well they do it, and then that inspires other people to do it. And th- that's to me unfortunate that the people need to be inspired by. Uh, to uh, on something like this by by an athlete, frankly, uh, it should have been perhaps learned at home, uh, maybe in a school system, maybe at a community club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I just um, I'm I'm maybe I'm jaded, Mike. Sometimes you know, athletes have not been overly um, so 
getting on their soapbox. I think maybe my my feelings are more slanted towards celebrities, actors. Like there's a guy in mind is Sean Penn. Um, I used to be a Sean Penn fan until he. Um, I mean, he's on. He's always on a soapbox, telling me what I should think and how the world should be. And um, you know, meantime, he's crazy. <laughs> Like he'll, and he'll show up on Stephen Colbert smoking a cigarette when he's not supposed to. I mean, it's just—it's <laughs> like, like, why am I listening? Why, I, I just—I I, I want to make up my own mind. I don't want to be told what to think. And so, sure. um, and so, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm reluctant and I'm a little—I uh, just take a step back when I, I listen to celebrities, and that would include athletes. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say this. I certainly have respect for athletes who are willing to put their money where their mouth is. And yeah, sure. let me single out one who has done it time and time again, and he did it again today, Steve, just before we, we went to tape this. I saw P.K. Subban has donated $50,000 to the family of George Floyd, and, and he's gotten the NHL to actually match that. P.K. Subban, uh, I mean... I think it's been well documented when he was in Montreal, the the money he donated to the children's hospital there was yeah. just a, an absolute staggering amount. Like there's a guy who, um, and look, uh, I'm not necessarily a huge PK Subban fan of, of, of all the things he does on the ice. I think he's a bit of a phony, um, you know, dives, uh, but he's the kind of guy if you probably want him on your team, right? He's got loads of talent. But I have all the time in the world for P.K. Subban, the human being. Um, I think he's the genuine article, and I was glad to see he did what he did today. Hopefully, some other NHL players step up as well. Yeah, I think that um, I think that there's been some criticism, and I've heard this of hockey players that they, you know, that they don't speak out on social issues, and um, you know, certainly Kane took a shot at Sidney Crosby, and uh, who released? Who sorry? Who released a statement today? By the way, I don't know if you saw that. No, I'm not. You know, I'm not paying attention to every single statement that's being yeah. released. But I, I, I think that in general, my experience with hockey players is that they anonymously lend their support to a lot of charitable events and a lot of charitable societies, and they do a lot of things behind the scenes. And they are not typically um, as um, they do it anonymously. And I, I, I love anonymity when it comes to doing things. Um, you know, like that. And so I, I personally really, really respect that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not against what P.K. Subban did, did obviously. I think that he, he, he really put up his money with the Children's Hospital in Montreal or whatever. But there's lots of guys doing lots of different things, and we just, we just don't hear about it. And I, personally, I'm just a bigger fan of that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, because there's no, there's no look at me. Not that I'm saying PK Subban is doing this, but you do get that. Certainly, with some celebrities, you always feel there's a bit of an ulterior motive behind it. That it's all about building their brand more than anything, and and they have the the, the, the means, I guess, to do it. And so, yeah, it can come across as a bit phony. Um, yeah, Sidney Crosby today. I mean. I guess better late than never, and, and it just seems like this is an issue, Steve, more than anything, more than what we saw with Colin Kaepernick, more than we've seen on issues like gun control after mass shootings in the U.S. This is an, an issue that um, really seems to have the sports world kind of throwing its full weight behind it, and 
obviously a lot of eyes with what's going on right now in the States, and uh, let's hope for more peaceful days ahead for all. Okay, folks, we're back for the second period of our Jet Centra podcast. Uh, Mike, we talked uh, a lot about uh, the situation down in America in the first period. Let's talk about some things on the ice and on the field, or not on the ice and not on the field. Um, uh, last, late last week, um, I heard we heard reports from uh, uh, Red about Randy Ambrosi being challenged to set a drop dead date on whether the CFL might get going. Um, we're hoping to maybe have a look at that this week uh, and maybe get some sort of idea of when that might be. Hmm. Uh, i to think that there's also reports that a, a number of private owners are not really even interested in having yeah. this shortened season and whether it's financially even worth their while to do it. And, and, and in the meantime... Uh, teams continue to go along under the premise that there might be a season, and so they're incurring all kinds of expenses to do that. It's time for the CFL to, you know, cut bait here, like and decide whether they're going to go forward because the money that they're losing by not making a decision is, you know, just doesn't make any sense. Um, my take is that the CFL they just can't play a season this year. And so it's time to just say that. Yeah. I mean, it, not unless they're going to reverse their initial stats and, and suggest that they could play in empty venues, which I'm not sure that's feasible at all. If you're the CFL, you need fans buying tickets and beer and merchandise and hot dogs. And if you don't have that, uh, and of course here in Manitoba, which I think we're kind of, the trendsetters, if you will, for, for how to fight COVID and relax restrictions. I mean, the government here in Manitoba has been clear that they won't even entertain that thought till at least September. And Steve, I mean, you followed the CFL a lot longer than I have. Would an eight-game, let's just say for the sake of argument, that they could somehow come up with an eight-game season. That's a bit of a farce, isn't it? That's not even 50% of the schedule. Like, is that... Is that even worth it at that point if you're just going to play eight games and then crown a champion out of that, even if there was a way? Well, I guess if they, you know, I guess if there was a way, it's it's not it's not half bad. It, it uh, Major League Baseball is talking about a 50 game mini yeah. season at this point in time, and so and you know, the NHL come up with you know a basically a tournament to determine their Stanley Cup champion, and I, I think that. In this, in these times, anything that you could come up with that is kind of interesting would be interesting. And um, but for the CFL, it just it just seems so problematic that they would be able to get players up here. Um, I don't know that border into America is going to be opening anytime soon. Um, and and the, the thing is, is that they, they you know, they they seem to be wasting a lot of money in the meantime. Sure. I mean, the Bombers, of course, they've opened their facility, right? They have players that are... Yeah, they're kind of working out. They're using the gym. They're not yeah. They're not a whole lot. It's not like they're, you know, doing uh, practice drills and stuff. No. no. I mean, one thing the CFL would have going for it versus, say, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who I think we're going to touch on in a bit, is the CFL is an all-Canadian league. Like, once you got all the players up here, even if you had to do the two weeks of... 
of um, of isolation. I mean, I guess the problem would still be if if you're still required to quarantine, like when going outside the province, even in Manitoba, right? If you're the bombers, and if you would be required, like, would you be required to quarantine if you went to Calgary to play a game and then return to Manitoba? Like, I don't know. Well, um, they're having the two hubs, having the hub city, and Winnipeg's on the on the short list for that in Regina, and so hypothetically you could go back and forth from Winnipeg to Regina and maybe the provinces would agree to not have some sort of isolation. But you're right, getting all the players here from America and, and other parts of Canada and then having to isolate for 14 days and the cost that that would cost them to have these guys in hotels or whatever for 14 days, I just, I, 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 I don't see that happening. I just really don't, yeah. And so, so I mean, we have one scenario, and I guess Randy Ambrosi would have to touch on this, but... Let's just say a couple teams want nothing to do with it. Could the CFL potentially have not only an abbreviated season in terms of the number of games, could they also have a reduction in the number of teams? Like, would they say, okay, EC and Toronto or whoever, you don't have to be a part of this then? Uh, the teams that want to be a part of this will. I mean, could that be doable? I don't know. Well, that would be a waste of time. So they're thinking of doing that in the American Association of Baseball, are they? They're thinking well, of going, playing a season without the gold eyes, or what? Yeah, so I'm, I'm chatting uh, later today, actually, with Sam Cates, the owner of the gold eyes, and, and Josh Shaw, who's the commissioner of the American Association. But the latest on the American Association, which should have started, of course, back in mid-May, and play a 100-game season, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, of course, are one of 12 teams in the league, and they're the only Canadian team. There is talk, Steve, that the American Association, as as early as the start of July, may go ahead with, with a reduced season. They're talking somewhere between 60 and 80 games with limited fans in stands in some of these markets in the U.S. where they think that that apparently could be allowed as early as as maybe mid-July, but the Gold Eyes potentially would not be a part of the league if it were to proceed this year um, because of the border issue, because of the fact the Gold Eyes would constantly be crossing back and forth into Canada and the U.S. Um, unless the Gold Eyes were willing to say go play all their games on the road this year. I'm curious to see what Sam Cates has to say about that. I don't imagine um, the Gold Eyes next to the St. Paul Saints are the most successful franchise in the league in terms of attendance and and merchandise sales and whatnot i can't imagine that that is a scenario the gold eyes would be willing to entertain basically playing 60 or 80 road games all in the u.s uh this year but we'll see what sam kate says but yeah that just shows the the challenges i guess that are facing sports leagues right now due to a number of issues Thank my best to sammy when you talk about this afternoon <laughs> i will indeed um, and of course, you know, just to, to wrap this up, to, we talked to Blake Wheeler, of course, on Tuesday about uh, mostly about racism and George Floyd, but we did touch a bit on the return to play. Blake Wheeler is like a lot of Jets players right now. He's outside of Canada. He doesn't know when he could come back to Canada, even if he wanted to come and start skating, say, at the Iceplex right now. And Andrew Kopp told us this last week as well. Uh, he said that's just not possible. He's down in Florida, which is where his off-season home is. He's actually skating in Florida, but that is an obstacle. 
obstacle, a hurdle that the leagues are going to have to um, to deal with before they can really uh, get a, get a full return to play scenario underway. All right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Centra podcast. This is where we have the Centra part, which is basically anything we want to talk about that's sports or mostly non-sports related. Um, I had written something down. Here's something ironic, Mike. I had written something down. I have this file on my desktop of potential Jet Centra subjects, and I had written two things down. One of them was on the subject of tipping and the idea that I had heard that, that maybe we should be more generous in our tipping um, with the uh, in the post-pandemic area here where um, certain uh, service um, people are, are opening, are being available to us, right? And yep. then our producer, Jen, did a story slash column on that very subject. And I was like, well, bingo, there's something to talk about. So here's, I, I'm going to have a, just a minor little rant here. A, I've always been very confused by the idea of tipping. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the greatest tipper. I'm not the worst tipper. I'm, re- I'm a reluctant tipper uh, because it just seems like, geez, like why can't people just have a wage and why do I have to, this, why do I have to make this decision all the time on what I'm tipping and who to tip, et cetera, et cetera. And some people that get tipped are oddly tipped, like the postman. Sorry there, postman, <laughs> but he gets a wage. I get a wage as a newspaper person. I don't get tipped. Etc. Um, and then the idea of tipping more now, um, I'm not sure. You know, I, I, I'm a little concerned with two things here with some of the businesses now that they're starting to open. I get the sense that they're going to try to recoup some of the money that they've lost. I went to a, a store that I go to regularly this week and a certain item that I have bought for a long time was jacked up in price and I felt like I was being gouged. <laughs> I really did. And, and listen, we all were affected financially or a lot of people were affected financially. We took a pay cut for a while. We're still in the midst of a pay cut. And so the idea that then I'm going to then help, I helped support businesses while I was, while they were closed and doing takeout and Takeout Wednesday, Canada has Takeout Wednesday. You know, so I'm not sure that I want to be gouged um, now that these these stores and services are opening again. So uh, we've we've been doing Takeout Wednesday as well. Uh, yeah, and we're doing it again tonight. We're ordering from one of our absolute favorite sushi places, Magic Magic Sushi on McPhillips. Oh yeah. And I'm glad you brought this up, Steve, because I guarantee you, when I go uh, pick up my order tonight uh, for my wife and I, I will be giving them a generous tip, a more generous tip than I ever would. And I've been doing that. I found myself each week as we go get takeout from somewhere, um, almost without any hesitation, when I go to pay, I've been adding a tip that is far more than... Now, normally, of course, just on takeout, I probably wouldn't be tipping much, if anything, because, I mean, other than walking in and and them giving you your bag of food, there's not a lot of actual service going on, not like if you're dining in and 
they were all drinks and yeah I, I, I never kept my takeout mics so you know yeah and I don't know that I did either before the pandemic but I, I think every time I picked up food over the last what almost three months now right I tip and I'd say Steve my tips have usually been in the range of 20 percent wow right which is more than I'd be tipping probably if I was diving in because I'm cheap uh, usually, you know, 15%, I think, is the general rule, right? Uh, 18, I think, is the number now, but whatever. Right. And by the way, is that on the pre-tax or the post-tax number? Well, the pre-tax, my understanding of it. My, my understanding is 18% of the pre-tax is standard, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still not and sure why. And I mean, of course, some restaurants will, I mean, if you're with a group, I think, of more than eight or something, they'll actually put the, uh, the gratuity as part of your bill, but... Yeah, I think you're right in the sense, Steve, I expect we may start to see some kind of COVID, um, not a COVID tax, but you may see some places try to build it in. Uh, well, there, there are actually, there are places, I think, and, and Jen, I think we had something on this, did we, where there's now a COVID surcharge at, at, at some bars and restaurants. Yeah, I'm not- uh, sorry to chime in, but yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not too sure about that, but I, I have noticed sort of anecdotally for myself also supporting the Takeout Wednesday thing um, that a lot of places were actually offering COVID discounts to entice people to order food. Um, so yeah, so and the piece that I wrote, it's basically people were talking about that and uh, I interviewed Jay Kilgore, who is the GM of um, Finn McCool's, and he was yep. saying that uh, people have been very generous and if you can like it's always appreciated if you want to tip above and beyond but at the same time it's not something that he expects because all the new rules and precautions and all that are part of their job now um so he doesn't really expect that that should mean a higher tip um and i also talked to an etiquette and protocol expert who was like yeah she, she would prefer to see a proper wage versus tipping but again if you can and want to you can but there's also lots of ways to also acknowledge a job well done and good service and that go a long way such as telling your server or like leaving a good review or recommending the restaurant to other people that also goes right. a really long way now just just to clarify when i say leave a tip so my wife and i we, we were out one day last week we grabbed wendy's which i think is got to be close to the best fast food burger maybe another podcast we can debate <laughs> the, the order of fast food burgers but in my opinion wendy's is number one i hadn't had wendy's probably in a couple of years, and it was absolutely delicious. A Dave's Double, by the way. Is Salisbury um, fast food? What's that, sorry? Is Salisbury House, would that be considered fast food? Yeah, and you know what, my uncle, told, I had this debate with my uncle the other day, and he said Salisbury House would be number one. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, but, but, but what I was going to say is, so when I got my Wendy's order the other day, I didn't leave them any tip, because in my eyes, Wendy's is just a chain, right? And Right. A lot of these places that we've been ordering from during the pandemic, I would put them down as more mom and pop or family. You know, they're not big chain restaurants. And I guess I've almost felt like I want to try and keep these places going because I know that some places may go under. So maybe my extra six or seven dollars might make a bit of a difference. I don't know. I, I, you know, and I couldn't agree more. I, I did that too. One of my best friends in the world is a guy named Bobby Matola, who is the, he has Pizzeria Gusto and 
goofed yeah. on a number of different restaurants and 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 you know and 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 I'm so for I was so for you know supporting um, all of the different types of you know these local mom and pop or just small businesses while the pandemic was on. What I what I'm a little concerned about though is now anybody then now reversing it and gouging me um, afterwards. I was super disappointed to see that they had raised the price on this particular item. Um, and I'm not, not going to name the store, obviously, but also a small, not a chain store, a small little grocery store uh, that, um, yeah, so if we were all in this together and we, you know what I mean, then let's all, you know, let's all remain in this together is what I'm saying, yeah. All right, folks, we're back for the overtime period of our Jet Set podcast. Um, <laughs> I have another little rant, Mike, and a little story. Yes. Okay, so, and I have a, and then I have a question for you. So, guy, oh, you go ahead. Okay, good. So, um, you know, the, I think we mentioned this last week. I can't remember. I've talked to so many people about this recently, but you know how they have these lines on the floor and these dots on the floor, yeah. these on the floor where you're supposed to stand when you're in line at a grocery yeah. store, right? Okay. So, I I don't understand why being three inches or four inches in front of the line is so much so important to some people as opposed to being three or four inches behind the line and i find this is happening in every single store that i go into and and i don't know maybe i'm being a bit of a dick but i'm pointing out to people and man oh man the reactions you get or that i get anyways and i'm trying to be really nice about it but I've been threatened. I've been called an old man. Uh, one guy was going to beat me up. And then I said, well, wouldn't that make you really tough that you beat up an old man? <laughs> um, I got to come, I got to come shopping with you. It sounds funny. You know, it just, and then it's just, it's like, well, I'm six feet away. The response is like, well, you're not actually in, why do you think they have the lines on the floor there, pal? Like, like, just why can't you just stand there? Like, like, why is this? Why is this so hard? Three months into it, and I get that you know, like, we're relaxing restrictions and stuff like that. But why can't? I don't get it, man. And it, and 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 it's um, I'm trying to be nice, but it's becoming difficult. So you have hit on something that I've observed at airports for a long time, which is. Uh, for example, why do people, the deck in the plane lands, why do half the people like immediately stand up and get in the aisle, even if you're at the back of the plane, you're not going anywhere. Uh, there's a process. Or even why do people line up, you know, when they're about to start boarding a plane, which they do by section, why do people crowd? It's like, yeah, people are just trained to, you know, see how far they can push it, I guess. But you are, you are bang on. So I was at Canadian Tire the other day. I had to go buy a lawnmower. My lawnmower that I've had for about seven or eight years finally bit the bullet the other day. Uh, I probably could have tried to get it fixed, but, you know, I, I thought, ah, I can go get there. There was a nice lawnmower on sale for a couple hundred bucks, and I thought, I'll just go get a new one. Uh, so I went to Canadian Tire. It was chaos. Like, I was, I was telling my wife, you could put cameras and stream this on pay-per-view 
uh, of what it looked like because they had each aisle's been made a one way, right? Yeah, it was anarchy. People going the wrong way, like head on potential head on collisions with carts. Um, it's like nobody knew what to do, and it's right there on the floor telling you what to do. People were so confused. It was like watching a bunch of of mice chasing around like cheese. I don't. I don't. It's not like I can understand this. So one woman I mentioned to go behind the line the other day, and she said, "Oh yeah, I, I sometimes forget." Like I get that you sometimes forgot two weeks into this, um, but we're like three months or so into this now, and. Um, I think it's just it's just a lack of respect and frankly folks like if you're not giving people their space at this time of the pandemic you're just being bloody rude like yeah like just like have some regard for your fellow man do you know what I mean am I and about your mic or what no you're not so let me ask you what's who, who are the biggest culprits in your mind if you had to Pick sort of an age demographic. Are we talking twenty-six-year-old oh, uh, guys? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, yeah. I, I would say sort of veering into the middle age. Like I've seen, we have a Tim Hortons by our house where there's supposed to be social distancing. It's a popular gathering point. People on motorcycles and whatnot, and you know the twenty and thirty and forty somethings um, really seem to be oblivious to it now i realize they've relaxed it a little bit and you know i've been at parks and stuff i go to Kelowna park all the time i'd say the youngest you know teenagers and that i see them following the rules pretty well actually uh when it yeah they're to- amazing yeah and, and yet yeah. they're the ones that often get blamed i guess for no, uh, easy and i find that I find, I find that yeah the younger people like that like under 20s they're super respectful yeah it's the 25 to 35, frankly, for me, that are just like, and yeah, and it's like, and if you say anything to them, it's like, oh my God, like, you know, so I don't know. So you know what we need to get you, Steve? I don't know if you've seen any of the uh, pictures on social media that some people, in order to combat this, they've actually designed, when they go out to a store, like they've created their own six foot it's like a, they wear like a costume and it's got a, a built-in buffer, whether it's like a, you know, one of those huge cones that like you put on your dog or like, I've seen people with like huge hula hoops around them, um, just things attached to their body to prevent anyone from getting within six feet of them. It sounds like that's the sort of thing that, that might work well for you. How about if I just growl? <laughs> you could, yeah. It's worked for a long time, Mike. <laughs> all right i guess we should probably wrap this up um always great to chat with you thanks again to jen for helping us with this yeah. and for her don't, uh, don't forget to tip don't forget to tip don't your forget to tip your uh, okay i'll tip i'll tip all right yeah so uh, and uh we'll do this again next week um and we'll probably do this sitting in the office together next week so look yeah. forward to that all you folks enjoy the great weather that is out there. Um, that's it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.